as I started to see what they were able to do, how they were able to dictate the terms and how they were able to have such a massive impact as fairly young people, I thought to myself, I can do this too. It starts to gnaw at you. It starts to eat at you mentally where you're just like, there's a bigger purpose for my life. There's something else I want to be doing with myself. And you start getting itchy as you're sitting at your desk at your nine to five. For me, it was mental self-preservation. It wasn't necessarily courage. It was just, if I'm going to mentally thrive, I need to be walking in my purpose. I need to go after the things that I know I need to be working on. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pele. And welcome to episode 90 of the She's Off Script podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. In this episode, I'm answering all the personal, business, and podcast related questions you all submitted via Instagram. I tend to get asked these questions a lot, so it's nice to get the answers out in a place like this so that those of you who are new to me can find them. As a reminder, this series of episodes is recorded during our weekly Instagram Live, so from time to time, you may hear me responding to comments from the audience or hear the voice of someone I've invited to come on live with me. Before we hear the rest of this episode, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes. This will help to spread the word about our podcast so amazing stories that we share can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off script with this Ask Sewa Anything episode. The first one I have here is, congrats on the success of your business. How did you find the courage to step out on your own given that you have kids? This is an interesting question that I get quite a bit. And interestingly enough, a lot of you that follow me here on Instagram are moms with young kids and you also do have side hustles that you're running and trying to go full-time on. So for me in particular, this is a dream that I've had and it's not something that has been innate in that I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but over time I developed it as I discovered entrepreneurship, as I followed people like, I don't know, Mark Zuckerberg, I would say around the time I first got introduced to entrepreneurship in Silicon Valley. And as I started to see what they were able to do, how they were able to dictate the terms and how they were able to have such a massive impact as fairly young people, I thought to myself, I can do this too. So it starts to gnaw at you. It starts to eat at you mentally where you're just like, there's a bigger purpose for my life. There's something else I want to be doing with myself. And you start getting itchy as you're sitting at your desk at your nine to five. And I would say for me, it was mental health, mental self-preservation. It wasn't necessarily courage. It was just, if I'm going to mentally thrive, I need to be walking in my purpose. I need to really go after the things that I know I need to be working on. So for me, finding the courage meant living life and finding a way that I could thrive and feel like when I wake up every day, I'm doing something that's impactful. And for me, starting my business, 
focused on helping other women grow their businesses was something that I was passionate about and wanted to wake up every single day and work on. That's really all it took for me to do that or to take the leap. Of course, you have to be responsible as you take that leap. You have to make sure from a financial perspective, you have your affairs in order because I do have two kids. I have a husband. We have a family together. So you have to make sure that the decisions that you're making don't jeopardize the welfare of your family. So which is why I'm a big proponent of side hustling things first, just to make sure that you know how to get repeatable income on your own before then you just take the leap because then you know when you're able to dedicate yourself 100% to whatever it is you want to work on, then you know that you're able to scale it even faster. So long story short, making the leap for me was not necessarily just about courage, but about self-preservation because mentally it takes a toll when you're not walking in your purpose. So that's that one. The next one is I have a nine to five and I'm trying to grow my business on the side. Any advice for how to schedule out my limited time so I'm more productive? I love this one because it's an issue we all have. We only have 24 hours in the day, right? So we have to figure out how to maximize the time. And for me, it all boils down to priorities because you give time to what is important to you, right? And if going out to brunch pre-COVID was very important to you, you gave time to that. If calling all your friends every day is important to you, you give time to that. If going to church every Sunday and going to Bible study on Wednesday is important to you, you give time to that. So what I encourage people to do as they're looking to carve out time for a side hustle, I encourage them to do a time audit. And that simply means hour by hour, write down Monday at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., you know, 10, on and on, what was I working on? What was I doing? Because at the end of the week, depending on how long you want to run this exercise, a week, seven days is perfect. Um, If you have a varied schedule, maybe you run it over a couple weeks. But what you'll find at the end of your time audit is exactly what you're spending your time on, where the time seepage and leakage is coming from. Are you spending two hours a night just hanging out and watching Netflix, maybe you need to unwind. I get it, but two hours, that's maybe an hour you could be dedicating to your business. So once you identify where your time is going, you can then decide what you're willing to give up because it is about sacrifice. I think there are going to be seasons where you decide what's important to you. And maybe for this season, you're not going to go out to brunch on Saturdays. You're going to spend that, you know, sometimes when I go to brunch with my girlfriends, we're we're there for four hours just chit-chatting because we love to catch up. But is that a four hours or two hours you could be using to work on your business? So that's what I would encourage you to do is just to do a time audit because there, we all have the same amount of time in our lives, and a lot of people are running side businesses, and they their side businesses probably make more than their nine to five, and they were able to get it there. You're not unique in having a nine to five. So how are other people able to do it, right? So you got to think about where's your time going. I give it to you straight. I wish I could sugarcoat it or candy coat it, but really that's the reality is what have you prioritized, 
So number three, I have so many ideas. How do I pick one? I hear this one very often where people, it's kind of like the thing that's keeping them from starting is they don't know what idea to pursue. First and foremost, I would say that there's a lot of fear of failure that's stopping people from starting because you look at your all your ideas and you're not sure because you're looking to hit it out of the park the very first time. You're trying to do things perfectly right off the bat. And unfortunately, there are only so many unicorns. So you're talking about the Facebooks and the Twitters who turn into billion dollar businesses on their first try and their first iteration. That's not everybody's story. So you need to be willing to fail and fail fast. So instead of trying to pick the perfect idea from the list that you've brainstormed, you need to be thinking about how to pick one idea, fail fast with that one idea because Failure is just a learning process, and it's your opportunity to see what worked, what didn't work. When you're new in the game, you don't know everything. So if you're able to determine what needs to be tweaked, the next idea you pick up, you're more likely to succeed with that. So I would encourage you to not go for perfection, to try to fail and fail fast. And then I think that kind of takes the performance anxiety out of choosing that idea that you're going for. There's a quick framework that I like to give people when they're trying to figure out what the idea is. I would say first pick which item on your list is solving a problem. Is it a solution to somebody's problem? And even next level to that, I think I already did one of these back to business basic series on how to pick the perfect business idea for you. But part of that was this framework where you want to make sure that whatever idea you're picking is a painkiller. Is it a painkiller or is it a vitamin? If it's a painkiller, it's something that's absolutely necessary to someone in order to kill some kind of a pain that they're going through. Therefore, when they see it, they'll recognize it as something that they need right away versus a vitamin, which is a nice to have. So think about that as you're looking at the idea you're looking to pick. Next up, I would say, do you know exactly who is looking to buy it? Because there's something called the buy a persona. If you work on marketing strategy like I do, there's something called a buy a persona and you need some sort of a generic way. You need to create a persona that needs your product so that it's easy to identify who you're trying to sell to when it comes time to market. So if you don't know who it's for and you think this is for everybody, that idea is probably not a good one for you to go with. And then number three, I would say, is this something you're passionate about? Is it something that you're okay with waking up day in, day out for the next five to 10 years and working on? Are you passionate about it? Because if you are not passionate about it, girl, that's not a good idea for you because in the long term, if you're someone who just wants to dip your toe in, that's a waste of your energy. It's a waste of your resources and it's going to fail because you're not giving it your all. And then I would say, is it tied to your purpose is something that goes along with it is, are you able to impact more than yourself with whatever idea you're looking at. So those are some of the things that I think about when I'm looking to whittle down all these business ideas that I want to launch, but I just can't pick one. That's my thought process for going through it. So the next question I have here is, I've heard you talk about creating a freebie to drop more people in. Where do you start with creating your first freebie? Ooh, so this is a good one. I think that's probably when we talked about your content funnel, getting as many people in 
to your world as possible and then funneling them down to actually take whatever action by whatever products you're trying to get them to purchase. So I would say ask people what they need. So back to the idea of are you solving a problem? So I would say look for clues in your community for questions people are asking often, like, do you know how to do one, two, and three? Or how did you do whatever it is? So I tend to listen a lot to frequently asked questions from people. And that's what I build my freebies around because they're going to very quickly recognize that free downloadable PDF that I have as a solution to their problem. And then it makes it easier for them to exchange their email address for whatever free downloadable I have to offer them. So make sure it's answering a question and or solving a problem. And then make sure it's also giving people quick wins. Don't waste people's time because the point of a freebie is to bring them and draw them closer to you. And if if their very first interaction with you on that freebie is extremely watered down and it's not valuable, then you've wasted yours and their time. So make sure you're very thoughtful about the freebie. Do a lot of social listening. Look at what people are asking for more of in the comments, whether it's in YouTube videos of your competitors or people in similar industries. When you look at YouTube videos, people typically will ask more questions. And sometimes the video is two or three years old, so that creator has moved on, but that's a goldmine for you as a service provider, content creator, whatever you are. You can go through those comments and see what are people asking for? Like what's the next level that they feel like that video didn't answer? Then you can go in and create a freebie around that. Do the same on Instagram, do the same on Facebook, wherever, Facebook communities. And that's how then you know there's a group of people who need the solution. And it also then helps you target them as you're marketing that freebie to get them into your world. Hopefully that was helpful. The next question I have is, I know I should start doing more lives, but I'm nervous. How do you get comfortable with going live and putting yourself out there more? Ooh. So... I would say I have a little bit of an unfair advantage in that I'm very comfortable speaking. I I just have the gift of gab, but I would say putting yourself on video like this is next level because there are times where you may not be feeling well, but you still show up. There might be times where you're breaking out and I've been on here with breakouts. That's something that I suffer with is just adult acne. There are times where my skin just doesn't act right and I still show up. So if you're extremely self-conscious, I know it's difficult to show up and show your face on social media or wherever you are. But I would say, for me, I treat this like my job because it is part of my job. I run a business, this is part of my marketing because it brings people into my world. They start to understand a little bit more about what value I could bring them. I do this for free. But then if they wanna take a next step with me and work more closely together, then this live has been fruitful. So you have to think about what are your goals with your business and what goals are you hoping to achieve by doing these lives and by showing up on social media. If your goal is just to do it for fun, then there's really no push to do it, right? But if your goal is to use this as a strategic part of your marketing strategy and it's tied to a revenue goal that you have, you're gonna show up for it, right? You only get out of it the effort that you put in. But more tactically, I would say, practice in front of a mirror 
or just record yourself and make all the blenders you can make. Before you go live, maybe you do a couple videos and you practice because if your plan is to show up and you're not prepared, you're going to be even more nervous. So practice prepare, plan so that you feel more comfortable when you show up live. I would say that's number one is have a plan. Number two is come prepared. And number three, do a a couple practice shots, test shots and get yourself comfortable. But the saying practice makes perfect isn't said for no reason. The more you do it, the more comfortable you get with doing it. I would say also watch other people you admire go live and see what they do, see how they structure their lives, see how they're engaging with the with the audience, see what kind of energy they're able to bring to the live and replicate that. It's almost the fake it until you make it. Don't fake the knowledge and the value part, but maybe fake the confidence until you feel confident doing what it is you need to do because this is probably the most, by this I mean video being live, is probably the most impactful way of building a relationship with people. Video is probably the top way of getting people's attention. So as a business owner who's looking to market your product or service, you got to get comfortable with showing your face, showing up and speaking to your people. If you're always kind of hidden behind beautiful pictures on your Instagram grid and people don't really get to know you, eh, it's going to be difficult to build the know, like, and trust factor. So really, It takes time. There's no magic bullet to getting comfortable with putting yourself out there. But I would say the more you do it, the more comfortable you're going to you're going to get doing it. Me at this point, this is 10, 15 years in the making. This is lots of lots of years of me just chit chatting with people, lots and lots of years of me being a spokesperson for my corporation that I used to work my nine to five for, I was very comfortable. They were comfortable sending me as a representative for them as a result. So if you're starting day one, please don't look at someone's day, you know, 10,000 at this point. Don't look at that version of the person and try to be that because you may then you may fall short and that might stop you from trying. So start where you are and build and I think people will really appreciate how far you've come when they see, man, when I first met her, her live, she was kind of shaky, she was stuttering, but now look at her. She's delivering clearly, concisely. She's delivering confidently. So I would say start where you are, just start. And the voice in your head, the negativity that oftentimes we have about, oh, they're probably looking at that big pimple I have, or girl, no one probably is looking at that. It's all in your head. And I think we're our worst critics and we stop ourselves from taking ginormous, which is not a word, but I like to say it. We stop ourselves from taking those leaps that could really get us to the next step. So this Thursday, as an anecdote, I have an interview and you're going to see that episode come out the week after. I have a podcast interview with somebody who... I'm still shaking my head, wondering how I landed this interview, quite frankly. But I, the way I've learned to operate at this level is I go for it. And it's out of my hands at that point. I come correctly with my pitch, but at the end of the day, it's in their court. They can evaluate whether or not they're going to get behind the mic with me. But 
I've gotten to the point where I'm confident putting myself out there and people read that confidence and they're like, oh, she doesn't have 100,000 followers, but yeah, I'm going to jump on her podcast. So you've got to start where you are and people like to see the body of work you've put out there and that body of work starts to evolve and grow and they think, okay, she's at the level where I'm ready to engage with her because you never know who is watching. You never know who is seeing your work ethic and that who's seen how willing you are to try. So put yourself out there. And I think that same advice applies to so many things. So put yourself out there. I'll answer this question from you. Is it Deanne? How did you get from the shaky to the confident level? Practice makes perfect. I have actually taken, and this was a part of corporate training where they brought people in to teach you different tips as far as when you're talking, plant both feet on the ground or find people within the audience that you're going to look at and that helps you be a little bit more steady in your cadence. I learned a few tips along the way that helped me improve, but really it was just me trying. And the other thing I used to do very early on was have someone I trusted in the audience that I knew was going to give me some non-sugar-coated advice and say, "Mm, you kept doing one, two, and three. Next time you should improve on that. So the more I got the feedback from people, the more I was able to stop with the ticks. I've worked very hard to not say, uh, um, uh, 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 because that's a nightmare because people get so distracted by the filler words that you put in. So I've made a lot of effort or I've taken a lot of effort to get rid of that so that people hear my message and they hear it clearly. But also, I would say being put together when I appear in front of people so that I, when I feel good about myself and the message I'm bringing, then that confidence is also coming across, right? So I would say do the work on yourself. And sometimes it's just, it's a mindset issue where we are hard on ourselves and we don't believe we belong or we don't believe people are ready to receive the message or that we're the ones to give the message, we get to that point where we talk ourselves out of our purpose and we talk ourselves out of being at the point where we're bringing value. But someone needs what you have to say. I love hearing people say that because it's so true. It's taken time. It's taken time, but I work on it every day. I have to say every week when I show up in front of you guys, I take the opportunity to say, how did that live go? What could I do better? And I work on improving it. So this question was, how do you get people to see you as an expert? I would say for that, it's number one, show up. Number two, share what you have first. Share the knowledge that you have and share it in a in a fashion that's easy to consume. By that I mean, depending on what platform you're on, sharing that information. I would I love the carousel functionality of Instagram because you can share the knowledge fairly quickly. Absolutely, I love that. Kishma, be authentic. Be authentic because people are drawn to people. They're not really drawn to your knowledge first and foremost. They're drawn to the vessel. That's just how we're built as people. Call it shallow. That's just how we are. So show up as yourself authentically, but then show up, right? Be willing to share what you know. Be willing to share your knowledge because keeping your knowledge a secret is counterintuitive and it doesn't help anybody that no one knows what it is you could do. It's not a secret that you whisper that, I'm a business strategy expert. Like, why would I whisper that? 
I want people to know what I do because I want them to be able to benefit from my expertise. So you got to shout that from the mountaintop. Do it in a, you know, clear, concise, and professional manner, but do it in a way that people can share it, right? Do it in a way that people can quickly absorb some quick um, wins for themselves. But I would say show up, share, and people will start to get more and more value from you. I would say another thing is when you're first getting started, think about long form content you can share. Long form content, meaning very thoughtfully put together blog posts, whether on your own site or on LinkedIn, depending on what field you're in, that might be the the appropriate platform for you to be on or a podcast. You don't have to have a podcast of your own, but you could go on other people's podcasts. So learn how to pitch yourself for people's podcasts and come on as an expert and share your expertise. So where I'm going with that is you want to put out content that's going to live longer, that has a longer lifespan so that people can come back and find you as they're looking for solutions to their problems. They will come across your your blog post that, of course, you have been sure to enrich from an SEO perspective so that it does attract the right sorts of people who are Googling for answers to the problem that they have. Um, Or for podcasts, if you have a podcast that's big in your field, you can be sure to look through that section of Apple Podcasts and pitch the people there and say, this is my expertise. This is how I can bring value to your audience. As a podcaster, I know I'm always looking for uh, content. Everyone is content starved. So if you are able to pitch and clearly show me how you can bring value, I'm more likely to say, great, come on the show. Those are a few ideas about how people can start to see you as an expert. Let's see. I'm seeing businesses close their doors left and right. How do I grow my business in this economy? Oh man, even more than grow your business, how do you keep your business open? Today, I think I posted something about Clarisonic. If you girls are familiar with Clarisonic, like the brush that you use to clean your face, they're closing. They're having a massive sale, which yes, is great for the short term, but to see everyday household companies like that closing their doors... It, it kind of shakes you to the core a little bit because it tells you this is the economy we're in right now. And as a business owner, it makes you, it kind of keeps you on your toes because in answer to your question, I would say you need to make sure that whatever solution, your products, your services are offering, they are a painkiller. I keep saying that. Make sure that you're solving a problem that is just indispensable that is super important to your audience because if you're an eh, nice to have they're very easy to cancel that subscription they're very easy to stop buying or they're very quick to stop buying from you so think about that and if you need to pivot i think i've done an episode of the different kinds of pivots you can make if you need to pivot where you start marketing into a different group of people maybe you do that if you need to pivot to where you're you know, creating a new solution, you need to do that. But something needs to change to the point where you are marketing a 
painkiller to the right group of people so that they see you as indispensable and that you have the right messaging for them. So I think if you are at the point where you are not willing to pivot, which I'm guessing is what Clarisonic has decided, then it's going to be difficult for you to survive in an economy like this where people are really holding their dollars close. People are only spending as business owners. We're only spending on things that are going to either sustain our business or help us grow our businesses. So think about where you fall within that scheme of things. If you need help figuring out what a pivot would look like for you as you're trying to grow your company, reach out to me, uh, click the link in my bio and you can find the free coffee chat button and let's have a free 15 minute coffee chat and let's talk about your pivot and what you're trying to do with your business. Because yes, it is scary as a business owner to see all these businesses going under left and right. They're household names. You would never expect them to go under because... We all have them in our closets. We all have them in our kitchens. And to see that happening, it makes you think twice. But I would say you either grow and evolve or you get shut down, right? It's a very up and out economy. So if you're not constantly innovating, you get left behind. So I think that's why it's really important to have a good circle of business-minded friends or a business coach, a business strategist in your corner that you can check in with periodically and think, okay, am I doing the right things to get me to where I need to be? Because they most likely have a broader viewpoint when it comes to what's going on in the business world. So think about that. I will move on to the next set of questions, which is more, I guess, personal in nature. So this one says, I love your pictures. Who takes them for you? So I I do get this question every so often. Um, I take those pictures myself. About seven years ago, my husband got me my first DSLR camera. Uh, I remember this because my birthday is two days before my first daughter's birthday. And that was my birthday gift because I wanted to take beautiful pictures of our daughter. And my husband was like, cool, I'll I'll get you this, this camera set. And I've used it um, to learn and perfect my craft. And in fact, I run Pele and Co where we also do creative for people. And it actually helped me on the business side of things where I've been able to incorporate photography in the services that I provide. Now I'm not doing photography anymore. So I know people come to me because they see influencers with Pelinko tagged on it. And they're like, oh, I saw these pictures that you took. Can you take mine? And unfortunately we're not doing that anymore because as I said, as a business owner, you gotta you've got to innovate and you've got to evolve. And as you look at where your time is going and what is bringing you the best, biggest bang for your buck, photography wasn't it. So there are some people who photography is their bed and butter and they do an amazing job at it. And that's probably who I would recommend to you or who I do recommend to people who are asking about photography. But long story short, I do take my own pictures. So what do we have? So number nine, you have such a beautiful family. Thank you. How are you balancing running your business and spending time with family in this season? Oh, in this season, this COVID season where everyone is home. I know in the beginning it was difficult for me. Not that anything has changed for me because I was, I'm working for myself. I was working for myself pre-COVID. And I think the biggest change for me was having everyone around as I'm trying to work because I valued the quiet time. I valued the space just to get my work done. And then we had to start homeschooling. So it was difficult to balance, but I would say I'm fortunate that I have a great 
husband who's a partner in every form of the word. So although he's also here working from home, we figured out how we can tag team. We figured out how we're able to, you know, create a schedule and manage it for the kids. It's it's taken an adjustment. And I would say at the end of school, we figured things out. Then the summer came, whereas they would typically have summer activities. They don't have summer activities because we're just not ready. Um, and I live in Texas, Dallas, Texas. The numbers are going up in Texas because we've been part of the bad girls crew or bad boys crew who weren't paying attention, apparently. So the numbers are skyrocketing here. So we're pulling back for sure. We're not really going out and doing summer activities. So we've had to figure out what we're going to do with the kids once again. And now with the school year starting, it's going to be another story because they're going to be home, at least for the next first nine weeks, they're going to be homeschooled. So now this is for real, for real. <laughs> the kids are going to school from home. So we all have to figure out everything because there are times when hubby and I are, are on back-to-back calls and the kids get an iPad and we're like, go to town with it because I need you to be quiet while I figure out my meeting and he figures out his. So we're going to have to figure out a new balance. It's constantly evolving. But I would say for me, back to the top of our conversation, I had to figure out what my what my goals are, where my time is going, and what is getting me the biggest bang for my buck or for my time, and then allocating my time and resources to those activities. So from a business perspective, I have pivoted a little bit in that I'm doing more scalable activities that don't require hands-on time for me, uh, but it's an, it's an evolving situation. Let's see, what else do we have here? You have some amazing women on your podcast. How are you finding them all? Thank you. I absolutely love the podcast. When I first started, it will be two years in August since I've been hosting the She's Off Script podcast. When I first started, it was very much referral based on friends and family. Who do you know that would be interesting? And once I ran out of my network, it's very interesting, but I started I started following columnists from Forbes women because I I mean I predominantly have black women on the podcast so I started following columnists from Forbes women and if ever they interviewed someone interesting I would reach out to that person and I have a pretty good hit rate with those individuals because they're coming off of a Forbes high and they're like oh more press and they're open to doing that um, and then it's in, it's interesting because I have had those Forbes columnists on the on the podcast as well which has been great um, and then I would say just researching trends online who's in the news who's launching startups who's doing something that's noteworthy that I think will provide value to the audience. Because once again, I know the audience that I have here. I have women within a certain age group. I know a lot of them are working a nine to five, but have a side hustle or are newly um, have newly launched a business and are within the first five years and are looking to grow and scale it. So I know who my audience is. And so I try to find people who can add value to the audience. So the other day I got a 
uh, a DM from someone who said, I listen to a lot of podcasts and your podcast is so detailed. Like I can listen to it, take notes and go implement. And I think that's one of the best compliments I can get because that's why I started it is because I want to share blueprints. I want people to come away from the podcast knowing that they've learned something that they can implement. They've gotten a look behind the curtain of how people that they have been following online and that they um, value they get to see behind the curtain and learn how they've done what they're doing. So that's one of the best compliments I could receive that people feel like I'm being detailed in the way I'm asking the question. So they get what they get out of it, what they need in in that time of their lives. So did I answer it? How do I find them all? Yeah. I online Instagram, I think is always a great source just to see who are people following, who's trending. And if they're trending, I want to have them on my podcast. So that's really the bottom line there. Um, I would love to start a podcast on my own. Where do I start? Ooh, I do have, I think I did do an episode on how to start your own podcast. I should have noted that. But if you search She's Off Script Podcast, you could kind of look at the catalog of episodes that we have. And even I think tied to that episode, I had a freebie that you can download so you can see all the tools I have um, for podcasts. And I, I will I will put the episode into the description of, or I'll comment under this IGTV post and let you guys know it or link it um, later on. But yeah, if you would like to start a podcast, I would say first three things to think about is find a topic that you are passionate about. So it's a little bit in reverse with a podcast. Are you are you truly passionate about it? Are you okay talking about it week in, week out, day in, day out, depending on the frequency of your podcast? That's number one. Uh, number two, plan in advance before you jump in and say, all right, let me just take an episode out. Because starting isn't the hardest part of having a podcast. It's remaining consistent. So I've been consistent for almost two years to the point where now I'm releasing two episodes a week. Now, to do that, you there's quite a bit of production that goes into it from a technical perspective. So not only do I need to research and find guests, I need to research them and their story so that I'm not coming in cold. I need to plan, you know, what 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 are the topics? What are the themes? I'm going to ask them. And then once the episode is out, then you need to actually edit the episode, you know, put in the the intro, outro, make sure that the music is synced up, you know, publish it so that it feeds out to iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere. So there are a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it from a logistics perspective. Then you have to market it. So consistency is difficult when you're running a podcast. So make sure that you're willing to do the work. Make sure that you're willing to put in the effort to actually continue on with producing the episodes week after week. So I think there's a weird st- statistic out there about how many people launch a podcast versus how many people stop after the first, like the fifth episode or something like that. That drop rate is huge because people don't truly understand what it takes to get it done. Running a podcast is like running a business. 
So if you think it's just sexy and cool to have a business out there, but you're not willing to actually put in the work, it's going to show. And it shows It shows very clearly on a podcast because there's some people who start a podcast. It's supposed to be weekly. One week they're there, the next week they're not. And people know. Um, I would say for me, I have to, I've had to learn how to not only produce it, but also then how do I consistently market? So that's, that's kind of where I am now is I'm producing two episodes a week. How do I market it? Now I'm also working on monetizing it. So I have partnerships that I'm negotiating to monetize the podcast because I've gotten to the point where I need a team to come on and help me with the podcast, but I need it to be self-funded through the podcast itself. I need, I need the podcast to generate enough income for me to bring a team on to help me with that because it's been a great part of my personal brand, my, my business footprint where I have clients who are guests who have become clients of mine as well. So it's been great from that perspective and I love doing it still. Um, But before you launch a podcast, just make sure that you are ready to put in the work because it takes a lot of work. So I'll, I'll leave it there. But as I mentioned, I have these lives every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central. Usually we do the Back to Business Basics series where we really check the foundations that people have laid in order to launch their businesses to make sure that their foundations are strong. Because just like the other question I read about, you know, how do you keep your company's doors open during this time in our economy? If your foundations aren't laid the way they should be laid, then you're exposed as a company. So I want to make sure that I'm bringing value to you guys. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate you guys jumping on here. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you enjoy listening to our show, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network. Between episodes, you can find me on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript, or you can catch up on past episodes at She's Offscript.com. See you on the next one.